0: we are back. I want to do some science in this segment. But we have some really meaty topics I want to uh, to delve into. So I don't know. Let's just see how this goes. We've sometimes taken a critical look at some of the crazy things that take place in America. Let's take a slight detour into some of the crazy things in other places, such as the fact they just had an election in Switzerland and the Swiss voters decided that abused animals don't need to have their own lawyer. Yes, apparently last week, uh, animal rights advocates in Switzerland were disappointed by the fact that uh, voters decided that their elaborate animal welfare laws were okay. Yes, apparently 70% of voters in Switzerland decided not to extend nationally the system that had been in place in Zurich uh, since 1992. And yes, somewhere in this, uh, in this legislation, <laughs> there was a proposal to appoint special lawyers to act on behalf of animals who were abused. The Swiss are pretty pretty tough on animal abuse. Uh, A couple years ago, they tightened their laws to where they now have a 160-page animal protection law that states, among other things, exactly how much space owners must give their Mongolian gerbils. And if you are planning to move to Switzerland with your Mongolian gerbil, be advised, you'll have to provide it with at least 233 square inches of space. Their laws stipulate that pigs, parakeets, goldfish, and other social animals cannot be kept alone. And if you own an African clawed frog, you're going to have to keep its water temperature between 18 and 22 degrees Celsius. Apparently there's an uproar in China right now over an attempt to ban the eating of dog and cat meat. Noted the Economist, a proposed animal rights law circulated in drafts last September by Chinese activists and legal experts, would be the first of its kind in a country where animal welfare rarely seems to be a priority. We, we might add that human welfare is somewhat suspect. Under the magazine, dogs are a popular dish in many parts of China, not least among ethnic Koreans in the Northeast. Dog restaurants are common in Beijing. Whereas uh, cats apparently are popular in southern China. Noted the economist writer, the sweet-tasting meat has been served, to your correspondent, diced into small cubes resembling a feline form with fur-striped paws sticking in the air. We have to agree that doesn't sound particularly yummy. Uh, My landlord, when I used to live in Davis as a student many years ago, uh, earned uh, money while he was a youngster by, uh, he said shooting cats for the Chinese restaurants of Omaha, Nebraska. He told me that they used to have to serve rabbit in the stores with uh, the paw left on so you knew it wasn't a kitty. Speaking of cooked cat, apparently an Italian celebrity chef got fired a couple weeks back from his uh, cooking show on television after he recommended stewed cat as a succulent dish. Reportedly, Beppe BeGaze said that cat stew was a famous recipe in his home region of Valderno, Tuscany. I've eaten it myself, he said, and it's a lot better than many other animals. He told viewers, better than chicken, rabbit, or pigeon. This apparently induced a flood of calls and letters from outraged cat lovers, which caused the public broadcasting station RAI to drop Bigazi from its show, Ready, Steady, Cook. Bigazi later insisted that he was only joking, but he didn't help his cause too much by adding, Mind you, I wasn't joking all that much. In the 1930s and 40s when I was a boy, people certainly did eat cat. <laughs> Mr. McMillan, please, please don't do that. <laughs> God. But yeah, speaking of the Chinese not necessarily being nice to people, how about this item? In a rare display of open criticism of the government, 13 major Chinese newspapers this week called for reform of the registration system that discourages people from moving from their hometowns. Apparently under China's hukou system, everyone has to register in their parents' hometown, which is then the only place they can receive government services such as schooling and police protection. Mao Zedong established this system to prevent the rural poor from mobbing Chinese cities. In recent years, hundreds of millions of people have ignored the rules and moved to cities anyway, but they do not enjoy the same benefits as the locals. I did not know that. You know, I know we have listeners uh, via our our podcast in China. I'd like to know more about that. Would you please uh, inform us by dropping a line to info at radioparallax.com. Oh, and by way of a follow-up on our lengthy discussion on uh, on uh, this correspondent's views on California water, we got a thank-you note from Chris. Chris inspired that, uh, that discussion, and he wrote back and said, Thanks, guys, for your thoughtful response to my previous email about the water issues in California. You make some good points, particularly regarding water as a population limiter. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Chris. But uh, we were talking about dumb stuff around the world, weren't we? And uh, we have to go... To our friends down in Chile for this item, Chile, of course, is reeling from an 8.8 magnitude quake near Concepcion, which is 500 times more powerful than the quake that struck Haiti. Compared to Haiti, the casualties have been minimal. I heard estimates of 200,000 lives lost in Haiti, and it appears that in Chile they lost less than a thousand. But uh, I was listening to the radio, and they were describing one report of. Uh, the Chilean Navy advising people that, you know, don't worry about tsunami. It looks like we're under control. And some drinkers, apparently some guys down at the bay noticed the water leaving it and then ran into the town to alert everybody that, hey, a wave might be coming. And, and it was. You know, apparently a lot of lives were saved by this. But, you know, if you have to depend upon layabouts and drinkers who are hanging out at, uh, at beachside, well, that, that system needs some improvement. The Chilean military is getting a bit of a black eye in this, too. Remember seeing shots of television in the wake of the earthquake showing guys driving tanks with, uh, with machine guns on top of them around. That's going to help. But apparently the Chilean military, uh, which has kind of, you know, got some image problems associated with its, uh, you know, dictatorship-era repression, decided to, you know, get out and help. So naturally its first delivery of food went to a neighborhood of military families who already had food. Tony, the press caught them in the act and noted that military officers who refused to give their names insisted their families were suffering too, and that many soldiers had been working around the clock since the quake not knowing how their loved ones had fared. Still, apparently survivors of the quake have cheered the arrival of the Chilean troops, uh, who have restored order in the streets and and, uh, minimized the looting. All right, and final uh, item and dumb news from abroad, it doesn't come any dumber than this. The long-suffering nation of Zimbabwe, where Robert Mugabe took power actually 30 years ago this month, has runaway inflation and an unemployment rate above 90%. The government's solution? To put a law into effect wherein foreign-owned companies must transfer at least 51% of their shares to black Zimbabweans within five years. This law is opposed by economists, business leaders, and labor leaders who all agree that it will strangle what little foreign investment Zimbabwe can still attract. Critics have said that the shares will just be given to Mugabe's cronies just as white-owned farms were seized and given to his friends during the, quote, land reform, unquote, program of a few years ago. And yes, I do find it disturbing that such overtly racist laws are not, uh, not condemned by the international community. And I can tell you right now, we're not going to get to any of those science topics. Let's note uh, one final domestic stupidity item. According to The Economist, Goldman Sachs listed negative publicity about pay as a potential risk factor in 2010, acknowledging that adverse press coverage and statements by regulators could impact staff morale and hurt their operations. Separately, the Wall Street Bank disclosed that it made $100 million on each of 131 separate trading days in 2009, which beat its previous record of 90 days in 2008. And on Monday, Goldman Sachs Group Inc. said it has rejected demands by shareholders to investigate the Wall Street Bank's compensation practices, saying, quote, The board believes that the firm's compensation policies and practices, which directly align pay with the performance of the company, are appropriate and in the best interest of shareholders broadly. Keep in mind that these are the jackasses that were, you know, uh, among others, at ground zero of our financial meltdown. Goldman employees received $16 billion in salaries and bonuses last year, up 47% from the previous year, but according to them, lower than expected. If you do the math for the bank's 31,000 employees, that's about a half million dollars a piece. Yes, these are the guys that the U.S. government went out of its way to bail out. Well, we only got about three minutes left, so I guess I want to note that I went to Fresno last week and noted that all the almond blossoms are in bloom on the, the vast tracts of, uh, of orchard acreage down the San Joaquin Valley, and it was really quite a sight to behold. The article in The Economist notes that more than 80% of the world's almonds are grown here in California, and that uh, bee pollination is vital to the industry, but this colony collapse disorder has, uh, has dramatically reduced the numbers of bees, and bee rentals are now accounting for something like 15% of the costs of some of these orchards. This brings back nostalgic moments for me of my, uh, my grandpa having some beehives out and working with him and uh, harvesting the honey and getting the wax out. And, uh, we're going to bring someone on this program in the future from uh, the, uh, the thriving bee research that's done uh, here at UC Davis and kind of get you up to speed on these very important insects. And I loved uh, Peter Heck's article in the Sacramento Bee on, on, uh, on March 8th about... The disappearing uh, roadside icons of uh, the giant orange fruit juice stands, which used to be all over California's highways. There was one that up till not that long ago uh, was still operating in Madera, between Madera and Chowchilla. Apparently only two remain operational. Uh, Maybe it's not realistic, but I I do wish we'd see a revival of, like, orange juice stands uh, along roadsides in California. There really is nothing like uh, fresh squeezed fruit juice. Now, I've spent a lot of time at juice bars in places like uh, Mexico and Brazil just sitting there and trying the different, uh, uh, the different juices that they have, the various wonderful tropical fruits, and it's an experience not to be missed. And final item on the show, we've got a couple of obituaries, three obituaries we need to do. Charlie Wilson, Alexander Haig, and Doug Figer. We've only got a minute left, so today we're going to do Doug Figer. The singer and guitarist with the Los Angeles-based rock band, The Knack. Mr. Figer passed away at age 58 of cancer. But he does leave us with one of maybe the all-time classics of New Wave. Based on a girl Doug Figer became obsessed with, Sharona Alperin. He said, I'd never met a girl like her. She induced madness. She had an insouciance that wouldn't quit. She also had an overpowering scent, and it drove me crazy. One day, Figer sat down and wrote a song about her in 15 minutes. My Sharona was a smash, to say the least. It Spent six weeks at number one and sold more than 10 million copies. That was in 1979, and the song re-entered the charts five years later in 1984 when it was featured in the film Reality Bites. Sharona Alperin's photo on the cover of the single of My Sharona is, is also a classic. Alas, uh, Sharona Alperin and Doug Figer's romance didn't last all that long. She is today a married mother of two, quietly selling luxury real estate in Los Angeles. She did note that uh, in, fi- in Figer's final days, she visited him many times. Noting that the fact that uh, Doug wrote an iconic song uh, left her happy for him. Anyway, Mr. McGillan, it's clear what song we need to go out with. My thanks to Dr. Dave Schneider, who will be back on the show again in the future. You can be sure of that. We have a ton of science topics to talk about in the weeks to come and an excellent interview with former Washington Post reporter Jefferson Morley, which we'll get to probably in two weeks. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see you next week at the same time.